What's up, GMs for Hire fans? This is Will Polston, one of the GMs for Hire, and I just want to preface this episode before we go into it. And I want to say that we are doing this podcast completely on a on a FaceTime call, basically, um, just over webcams and over microphones and stuff like that. And some things can go wrong, and uh, some things did go wrong in this one. And uh, uh, on my end, I had a little bit of internet issues, and it, it got a little funky, but... Um, I want to say that I, I did my best to try to put in audio recordings such as this um, throughout the episode to try to help everything keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, so just if there's a difference in audio between me and everybody else um, and then me and me and other parts of this video, uh, just to let you know, I, I've been having a lot of trouble with some Internet. So thank you. Uh, and thank you all for following, subscribing, liking, everything like that. We really appreciate all the support. So thank you all in advance. And now please enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to GMs for Hire. This is Will Polston along with RJ, along with Jamil, and along with Matt. We are here today to bring you the weekly recap. It is Sunday, May 3rd, and we are here to bring you some of this information that's been happening in the week prior since our first episode in which we filled out um, the information that was going out throughout the week. Um, we're going to start in baseball here as recently uh, all, the Orioles star player Trey Mancini was recently diagnosed with uh was a colon cancer and he is going to be missing the 2020 shorter season um if that is to hop back into play we'll start with jamil um jamil that's trey mancini obviously the face of the orioles franchise currently one of the only bright spots on that roster what what is this going to kind of do to the baltimore orioles and that clubhouse and so on and so forth um for the orioles on the field it's probably gonna make them go from bad to worse uh, they're, they're probably going to end up being one of the worst teams in the league yet again. They're losing. They're easily their best hitter, best power hitter, best run producer. Um, good, good player, too, in the outfield and can play first base. So they're going to miss his versatility. They're going to miss his bat a lot. Um, obviously, we hope for a speedy recovery for him and hope he gets through this cancer, this trying time for himself. But for the Orioles on the field, this uh, not good for the Orioles on the field. RJ, whenever we're listening to stuff like that, um, you know, Jamil mentioned that this is going to make their bad roster even worse. Is this potentially one of the worst baseball teams without Trey Mancini in the history of baseball? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a team that just can't figure it out. I mean, this is a team that I think the last couple of years they've lost 100 games every year. And that's with a guy like Trey Mancini who burst onto the scene his rookie year, had a good year. I know we don't really pay attention to the bad teams. So maybe he's kind of an under the radar guy that maybe nationally people don't really talk about and respect. The guy can hit. You mentioned it, Jamil, the guy can hit, the guy can play in the field. He's a good player. It's a shame that the the team he's on right now is not in a position to win games and put him in the spotlight to where he could really get the respect he deserves. Uh, but man, that's, that's the game you play and the Orioles need him. Uh, I, I know they weren't, you know, in a position to compete this year, whether it was going to be a full season or not. Uh, but man, you got a you got a team that if you don't get this thing turned around, you're going to have a bunch of young guys that don't know how to win. And that's the thing when you're building a team is you you can be you can have a lack of talent, but at certain points you're going to have to teach these guys how to win. And Trey Mancini, obviously their best player gives them a better chance to win and is going to be part of the rebirth 
of the Orioles, I believe, whenever that is. I don't know when. Uh, hopefully he can, you know, make it back and he can still be a part of that. Uh, but, yeah, just a, just a terrible deal, honestly. It's going to be difficult for the Orioles either way. Um, switching over to you, Matt, whenever we're looking at Trey Mancini and his cancer, the last person in MLB history, at least of recent history, that I can think of that had any form of cancer would be Chad Bettis. And uh, he had testicular cancer not too long ago. Um, and now he's struggling to find an MLB roster. Um, he's still a free agent today after his contract went up with the Rockies. Um, is this something that you may see happening with Trey Mancini, or do you think the Orioles are confident and will probably what seems to be do the right thing and go ahead and keep him? Um, the way I see Trey Mancini, he's a kind of a franchise player for the Orioles. And like uh, RJ said, he kind of flew under the radar last season. He hit 291. He hit 35 home runs. Uh, three and a half war guy uh, just in 2019, which uh, calculates for about half his career. So he's on his way up. And it's it's a real shame to see that in the prime of his career, as he just turned 28 um, about a month ago, uh, to see him sidelined with this, uh, especially it being stage three uh, colon cancer, that which, as most people know, is not easy to overcome. Uh, but some things are just bigger than baseball. And I know Mancini, um, everyone will have him on their minds, and Mancini will just have getting back on the field in his mind. Hopefully he's able to do that. Um, but like I said, some things are bigger than baseball, and for the time being, that's going to have to be his main focus. Maybe we'll get lucky and see a couple of 16, uh, you know, number 16 patches on the jerseys of the Orioles or maybe see a couple of homages to Trey Mancini by the Baltimore Orioles. But I hope everybody knows, and uh, especially the Mancini family, that we here uh, definitely at GMs for Hire want to wish the, a quick and speedy recovery for Trey Mancini. We want to see them get back out on the baseball field for he truly is the face of the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, we just wish him all the best. But moving on and sticking with baseball, we're going to go to the Little League World Series here. And it was uh, typically the games happen around the month of August. And here we are in early May. And, you know, with three months prior, uh, the Little League World Series is canceled. Um, Matt, going over to you, do you think that's a little bit of a reach? Because a lot of a lot of leagues are looking to try to get a start back in in late June, early July. And now this all the way out in August is being uh, is being canceled. So let me just get your thoughts on that real quick. I don't think it's too early. Um, Yes, the televised portion is in August, which is a ways away. And the COVID-19 pandemic should be in a much better spot um, for the United States by August. But you got to realize that leading up to the August tournament, you have a bunch of regional games um, deciding who represents the state and who represents each country um, around the world that participates in the League World Series. So I think it's a good precaution calling it now um, just because there's so much that has to happen leading up to the August portion. It's much more than, than what's televised. Uh, it is, is, do you think, RJ, maybe looking at this, do you think it was something that maybe could have gone on? Do you think that, you know, a, a lot of, as I mentioned, a lot of sports are looking to have sports back by, you know, late June, July with no fans. Is this something um, do you think maybe it's just precautionary just because it's children? Uh, do you think what, what's what's the situation? 
Yeah, you're always going to have more precaution and, you know, you know, have more safety involved if there's children. And I get that. Uh, the, the thing with not having fans in attendance, that sounds good, but like you're still going to have the parents and those are the fans. So you can't play a little league game with no fans in attendance because it's the parents. The parents are going to be there. The parents aren't going to just send their kids off to some stadium and not be there with them. Um, and, and as far as travel, the Little League World Series is not just an American thing. It's a worldwide thing. And a team from Japan or China or Korea or whatever coming over, you know, you, you're really putting a lot of people at risk when you look at the travel and things like that. Uh, it, it, I personally think it probably could have happened, you know, the World Series, but I understand why they canceled it. It's a bad deal. It really sucks for the kids. Um, it's not something that, you know, can be replaced really. I guess the ones that are young enough could potentially come back next year, but man, you know, what about the ones who who are right there at the age limit and this was their last chance and now they're not going to get a chance to be on ESPN in Williamsport. That's, it's a bad deal, but I kind I, I get where they're coming from. Jamil, a lot of couple, uh, a couple of sports leagues are hoping to be back. Um, sooner rather than later, uh, as mentioned, uh, late June, early July, is uh, seeing that the Little League World Series is canceled. Do you think that may be a reach for other leagues to be um, around the June, July mark? Do you think it should be, you know, pushed out a little bit farther, or do you think, um, being, you know, the older, older gentlemen, older women that they are, do you think it, it that you could just go without it? Um, I think it was a good call by Little League World Series to go ahead and cancel this event, but I don't think it's going to have anything to do with the other major leagues. I think we're still going to probably see baseball start around July, but I think that's fine for baseball. If they're going to go with no fans. I think football, we could see them decide to start a little bit later than their September date. I think for sure you're going to see training camps be closed from the public. So at that point, I think it'll be interesting to see if they go ahead and go with their September kickoff or if they push it back a little bit to try to have fans in attendance. Cause I think to start around July, June, I still think no fans is going to be the right call. I think they're probably going to wait till around August to even implement any kind of fans. You know, I, I didn't even think about it whenever you're talking about the Little League World Series, that this is a very, uh, very much so an international event. And there's teams from Korea, China, you know, all over the globe coming over to the United States to do this. So thank you, RJ, for bringing that up. I, I Again, I didn't even think about that. But, you know, let's leave baseball aside. We'll switch to football, uh, starting with Leonard Fournette. His fifth year option isn't picked up. Um, I, I mean, RJ, we'll start with you. Is this even a shocker? I mean, is is this just delaying the inevitable? I think I'm. I mean, there were there were rumors that he was going to be dealt out of Jacksonville, and I feel like this was something a lot of people saw coming. You even mentioned um, in in the very first episode of GMs for Hire that you felt like the Jaguars are tanking. Um, you know what what is your situation? Let me get a take on the Fournette deal with you. Yeah, I, I 100% believe it was inevitable. Uh, I mentioned last week on my soapbox how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going all in, trying to tank to get Trevor Lawrence. And this is just another step in the process. Anybody on your team that could potentially help you win a game, get rid of them. That's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to win games right now. That's not what you're trying to do. This is like when the Philadelphia 76ers put a terrible team out there and said, trust the process. This is what the Jaguars are doing. They are trying to have their own version of trust the process. They have gotten rid of everybody that has any talent on that team. It is going to be a very bad team. 
Um, the Jaguars better hope that we play with no fans in attendance because they're probably not going to have very many there anyway. Um, <laughs> this was definitely inevitable. It's a shame. Uh, but, you know, hey, good for Leonard Fournette. He's still relatively young. He can get out there, get a second chance with a different team. And this is a guy that, I mean, we viewed him as a freak coming out of high school and coming out of college. I know the guy's got talent. We, he, you know, the guy's a beast. Uh, so maybe he just needs to change the scenery. And uh, this is, you know, this is on par with what the Jaguars are doing. So, yeah, this this was inevitable. I would have been more shocked if they had actually given him the extension or the fifth-year option or, yeah. A couple of injuries early on have kind of plagued his career. Um, I mean, he's he's had a little bit of rough go around and the, the poor offensive lines that he's had to run behind out there in Jacksonville haven't exactly been the best either. Um, we'll, let's get a couple predictions if uh, that fifth-year option's not picked up. Jamil, is uh, is it going to be a trade this season, or is it going to be a free agent signing next season? And if so, uh, depending on which one, where do you see Fournette landing? Um, I think definitely depending on how the NFL season plays out with coronavirus, I think uh, we'll eventually see Leonard Fournette get traded around the trade deadline and probably go for a conditional sixth or seventh round pick to a team in need of some running. Um, it's well known they tried to trade him before the draft and at the draft. Um, they were unable to come to terms with a deal there, so I don't think it's surprising that they didn't pick up this option. So I think he'll this will be a midseason trade, and then then eventually hitting free agency. Uh, do you have a prediction on what team he could land with? Maybe. Um, I'll talk my head. I don't have a prediction right now. I think it's going to depend on how the season goes. I think you're going to end up seeing teams that are going to end up with a hole at running back around that week five, week six area that are going to go in and pull the trigger for a trade right there. Matt, do you have any ideas on where you think Fournette may land in? Uh, any backfield in particular? It's tough to say. I know the Jacksonville Jaguars reached out to the Buccaneers about filling that running back role, but the Buccaneers did draft uh, one or two running backs and already have Ronald Jones um, in the backfield that they're looking to build with. So I wouldn't say the Buccaneers, but... You know, Jamil made a good point saying you kind of have to wait until midseason to see if to see what spots do open up. Um, I think it's too early to tell at this point, but it would definitely go to a place that needs a running back. That that's that's a one hundred percent. I think more than likely. I think more than likely there's going to be like an injury, and whoever has a team a team that thinks they are capable of doing it this year. Uh, if they have an injury to their running back and Leonard Fournette's sitting out there, I think it's easy to pull that trigger. So I, I think it'll just kind of depend on how the injuries play out. Hey, um, me again. Uh, this is Will Polston, and I, uh, yeah, this is where my Wi-Fi shout out. So um, you're, you're going to hear Matt and Jamil and RJ. They're going to go back and forth. They're going to wonder where I'm at. They're going to say I disappeared. And uh, really, I just kind of... I just kind of dipped, but um, I'm I'm gonna come back later in the episode. So don't think you've seen the last old Will. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be back. He'll edit it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Will. I don't know. Is if he you here? You are out. I th- he might have walked away. Yeah, you're frozen. Nothing. No sound. So. Is he here? I'm texting him. Do you want me? Do you want me to just move on? As yeah, we'll do that. Okay. So, so moving on. Um, it's recently been announced that NASCAR is coming back. 
and they're going to start with Darlington um, in late May. And we, anyway, we did, we did lose Will. So uh, just Jamil, RJ, and I will continue. Um, uh, RJ, I'm sure you have plenty to share, the big NASCAR fan you, all, you are, about NASCAR coming back. Uh, what can you tell us? Well, the, the announcement was made a couple days ago, I believe on, what was it, Thursday, I think. And it was the greatest thing ever. Oh, my gosh. I, we have been without sports for, you know, over a month now. And to finally have live sports, that's exactly what we need. And, of course, me being a big NASCAR fan, I am so excited. Uh, I think it's interesting what they're doing with the schedule. Uh, because, as you mentioned, they're going to start at Darlington on Sunday, May 17th. Well, a couple days later, the Cup Series is going to run another race at Darlington. And what they want to do is they have a 36-race schedule. They're supposed to run 36 races. And NASCAR said, we are committed to running 36 races this year. With Darlington getting those two and Darlington also keeping their September date that was originally scheduled, it's really it's evident that not every track is going to get a date now. And I think we're going to have tracks like maybe Sonoma and Watkins Glen in places like California and New York that aren't as advanced in the process of you know opening their states back up. I think you're going to see those places maybe lose a date. Uh, but it's going to be great for the, the, the venues that are within driving distance of Charlotte, where all the teams are. Um, NASCAR is going to start at Darlington. The week after that, they're going to go to Charlotte. And there's going to be seven races among the top three series over an 11-day stretch. That I am just all in on that. I'm glad they're finally back. Um, it's going to be interesting when they do restart because Ryan Newman was cleared to race. He's going to be back after his injury. From Daytona, which was scary. Matt Kenseth is also going to be back. He previously retired, but with the firing of Kyle Larson, there was a seat available. Tip Ganassi decided to go get Matt Kenseth. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. And uh, a lot of people that maybe usually don't watch NASCAR, hey, we're the only show in town. Like NASCAR is going to be the only thing on TV. So hopefully it'll bring some new eyes, some new attention. Uh, but I know that very first race, you have they have an opportunity to become stars because there's no other sport no there's nothing else going on the only sport is nascar and so that very first race you better go out there you better give it your all i want to see a door banging finish coming to the finish line i want to see a fight after the race i want to see the best possible product because we're going to have more eyes on the sport than maybe ever you mentioned a surplus of races in just 11 days how do you think that'll affect how crews handle working with the car? And will the drivers be able to handle such a large workload in just a small amount of time? They should. Um, the, the races aren't going to be their full length. I know some of them will, but those races that I had mentioned that are going to be during the week, um, they did shorten those a little bit with the driver's health in mind. Um, I get it, but man, you're a racer. You know, you just you get out there and you do your job. It's like any sport. You know, if you're committed to it, come on. Just just, you know, you, you got to go do it, really. So I, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think they'll be able to handle it. And, you know, it's it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It, it will be big to see if NASCAR can steal um, uh, the spotlight in America with that being the only sport back. But uh, moving overseas to France specifically, um, it was recently announced that Liga um, 
France's top soccer league, uh, is canceling the rest of their season and just awarding the championship to PSG, who were, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of every other team in that league. So there's a chance they would have won it anyway, playing-wise. But, uh, Jamil, I'm going to ask you, do you think they made the right choice? Um, for health reasons, I think, sadly, it probably is the right choice, you know, with COVID-19, the way it's going right now, especially overseas, we don't, we're not monitoring as much as we are here, but it's still much a problem over there. So I think it was a good idea for the league to go ahead and cancel the season. And I think it might be how it's going to end up for every league in Europe. Um, we saw today at the Premier League, they said they want to finish, but Sergio Aguero went and said that some players are scared to go back and play. So I think in the end, um, I think it's going to be inevitable that all the foreign leagues end up not playing it out just for health reasons. That is an interesting point, and I, I can agree with that, that it, that it is the right move uh, for health reasons. Do you see a league like uh, the in- English Premier League um, in England, do you see them following suit and doing the same thing that France did? Um, I, think they, I think they should follow suit and call the end of the season, and I think in that league that Liverpool should be crowned champions because they have such a lead over second-place Man City um, that I don't think they're going to get caught. But if you look at it at a league like in Spain, La Liga, um, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they're neck and neck. So I don't think it'd be fair for them to be awarded the league, which will be interesting to see if all the leagues come together and they say, well, if one league's going to rule a champion, we all have to rule a champion. Or if one league was a champion, we don't have to do the same thing. So I think that'll be interesting when it comes to that, which will also make it interesting come next year when it comes time for the draw for the UEFA Champions League. I do know the league in Netherlands um... – most notably housing Ajax, uh, they canceled the season and did not award a champion. So uh, many players did not get that feeling that a team like PSG would get, whether or not it is, um, you know, feeling worthy winning winning due to a canceled season. But uh, now that we have Will back, I'm going to go to Will. Um, Jameis Winston recently signed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Um, basically, the to back up Drew Brees, he took quite the significant pay cut. What can you tell us about that, Will? Well, I'm going to apologize just in advance if this episode's a little messed up. I just had an internet crash because it's hard to record a podcast on a fucking potato. But here I am sitting here. Uh, we're back. And so now I'm trying to talk about um, – I'm trying to get everything back together. So I seem a little flustered if I'm skipping a little bit. I'm really sorry about that. But Jameis Winston took such a fat pay cut, only making $1.1 million dollars. Um, and I remember there were articles coming out prior to him, um, prior to the last, the previous NFL season ending, that he was looking at a $30 million, uh, $40 million a year contract from his team. Um, him and his agent were discussing that that was a potential landing mark for money-wise that they could go for. And that's obviously didn't work out, only getting $1.1 to sit behind Drew Brees. And it, it, it's it's a one-year deal, very, very, very small amount of money. I mean, there are NFL backups across the league making more money, such as Ryan Griffin, such as David Blau. I was just honestly kind of shocked to see that kind of money, uh, that little amount of money thrown to Jameis Winston, especially after he just led the NFL in passing yards. Um, I can almost promise you that is the lowest contract ever offered to somebody after leading the whole entire league in passing yards. It was definitely an interesting move for sure, especially since uh, it was reported the Pittsburgh Steelers offered him more money. Uh, RJ, I'll turn to you. If you're Jameis Winston, are you? do you think you can learn a lot from Drew Brees, or do you think you might have been better off taking that money in uh, Pittsburgh? 
Man, the NFL, most people know the NFL stands for not for long. And if you've got an opportunity to go get that money, go get it. Ben Roethlisberger has not shown that he can stay healthy the last couple years. He's battled injuries. Jameis Winston would have significant playing time, in my opinion, had he gone to Pittsburgh. And you're going to make a ton more money. I mean, there's no reason. Will, you mentioned that backups are making more than Jameis Winston. The Saints just re-signed Taysom Hill, and they're going to give him $16 million guaranteed over the next two years. Jameis Winston's not their backup. He's the third string. What, what are we doing? Like, this guy just led the league in passing yards, was second in touchdowns. I get it. He had, I get it. He had 30 picks. The guy can still play. I mean, it's, he, a report just came out. He can now read, what, street signs and license plates? The guy was blind. Now that he had LASIK, he might be able to see. I 100% would have went to Pittsburgh. You learn behind a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. You have a good system. Mike Tomlin's a really good players coach. He probably would have got along with Jameis. You have more money to make and more playing time to have. This really just, I, I don't understand it. I, don't, I really don't get what Jameis was doing going to New Orleans. Now that the signing is official, uh, I'd say it's time to look bigger picture. Jamil, how does Jameis Winston's signing with the Saints affect the NFC South as a whole? Um, honestly, I don't think it affects the NFC South as a whole unless Drew Brees goes down and gets injured like last season when Teddy Bridgewater came in. I think if that happens, I think you'll see Jameis Winston step in. I think you'll see him flourish in this Saints offense. I think from the standpoint where he had the best chance to produce stats if he got in, the Saints was the right place to go. I think Pittsburgh was the best place to go for him to get playing time, period, and to get money. But if he is to play with the Saints, I think he's going to end up being a dangerous quarterback this season with the playmakers they have on that offense with Sean Payton. So it'll be interesting to see if this is Drew Reese's last season, if Jameis Winston is extended after this for a three- to four-year period. Maybe this is a trial for him to come in and to see if he sticks with the team, if he sticks with – what, how they do things in New Orleans. I think it'll be interesting to see if they bring him on for the long haul after this. The NFC South will definitely be one of the top divisions to watch in 2020, whenever that does begin. But we're going to move to our soapbox statement um, and then wrap up today's show. And I believe Will has something prepared for us for that. Uh, what you got, Will? Uh, and and uh, just to preface, I am really sorry if this cuts in and out again really hard uh, just going through some internet issues here. But if we stay together, uh, let me uh, – I preface this in the first episode of GMs for Hire, and I am here to discuss why Jared Goff is potentially the worst starting quarterback, in my opinion, from a statistical standpoint, and I have stats to prove it, and here is why. Whenever you look at the NFL schedule, we typically kick off around September. That means the later months as the season progresses, when you're going to be in tough, difficult games that really matter, as well as playoff games, you're going to be in those cold months, and the Super Bowl takes part in February. Yes, the Super Bowl takes part in either a dome or a warm-weather stadium, but it is a, a matter of the fact that you could run into teams being in the NFC. You could run into teams such as the Green Bay Packers. You could run into teams um, out in the NFC East as well, um, such as the Eagles, uh, who are going to have outdoor stadiums and they're going to have freezing weather later on in that kind of environment in the later months in the playoff months. And so I have stats to prove it to you. Jared Goff in his first year, it's a little bit of an outlier just because he had Jeff Fisher. He didn't have Je uh, uh, Sean McVay yet. 
totally blanked on that name. Uh, but in four games, and, and this is just from games where the temperature of game time was 60 degrees or below. In four games, the man averaged a 51% completion rating, averaging only 126 yards a game, averaging less than one touchdown a game, and averaging one interception. Now, those are not good numbers. If I put out a quarterback in a NFL playoff game in freezing cold weather and only got 51%, 126 yards, and one interception, I'm not winning football games. And that's just from a statistical standpoint. Year two is a little bit of an outlier. And as I'm looking at it, he went uh, in between four games yet again. He had a 60% completion percentage, averaged 242 yards a game uh, with almost three touchdowns and less than a pick per game. But whenever you look at it, two of those four games were between the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns, who combined in 2017 went three and 29. Those teams were basically playing cupcakes. Those are statistical outliers that I think you need to eliminate. And in one of those games, I'm pretty sure it was the Giants game. He threw four touchdowns and 311 yards against a sorry Giants team and absolutely took care of them. But what does that matter? That team is not going to do anything, and neither did the Cleveland Browns that season. So I don't even consider those games, in my opinion. I think those are just washovers, cupcakes, marshmallows, whatever you want to call them. When you go into year three, he had four games, 60 degrees or lower, 57% completion, 260 yards per game, averaging a quarter of a touchdown a game, and two interceptions a game. So in four games, he threw one touchdown and eight interceptions in that inter in that kind of weather. That is absolutely pitiful. At 260 yards, okay, whatever, but I can't take two interceptions and no touchdowns a game. And finally, in 2019, which is supposed to be his big breakout year where Jared Goff really stands out, he averaged in five games, he averaged a 60% completion percentage, 325 yards a game. So I can't knock you there, but only one touchdown a game and one interception a game. I can't do those numbers. I need something more from my quarterback. And the fact that Jared Goff does not have the clutchness and he does not have the ability to play in cold weather, I will not. I would never take him to start a franchise. He is a California boy, born and raised, has never left the state. He went to high school, college, and now plays professional football out in the state of California. The man knows Sonny in 75, and that's all he'll ever know. And if he ever decides to leave California, I can almost promise you he is not going to an outdoor stadium or he is not going to a cold weather stadium because that man knows he will flop. And I think it's in the back of his head. There was even a mic'd up in the Pro Bowl in Orlando where it's raining. It's above 75 degrees, but it's raining. Just that, he said that he did not like that weather. The man cannot play unless it is 75 and sunny. And I will not take that out of a quarterback on my NFL franchise. You need to be able to play in adversity. You need to be able to play in that shitty weather because that's exactly what you're going to face in the NFL playoffs. And that is my soapbox on why Jared Goff is the worst NFL starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, that was that was quite the soapbox. Um, we'll let, we'll sit and let that marinate. But uh, for Will, RJ, and Jamil, I've been Matthew. We have been GMs for Hire. Um, this was our weekly recap. Um, we should have another episode out sometime soon um, on baseball's realignment and our predictions for the upcoming season, whenever that does start. Um, but be sure to like, comment, um, follow on Spotify. 
Um, links are always there. And uh, catch us next time when we when we buy the Mets. Yeah, when we buy the Mets. See you guys.